0: this is the let's talk podcast uh thanks for tuning in uh thanks for watching if you're watching the video form and listening if you're doing the audio only uh today i've got i've got the yes, one of the coolest guys ever um someone that when I first got into this industry I made it a point to to find the people that I think that I would connect with um and, and find professionals in the space that were established already unfortunately for Eric he was one of those guys um and now he's kind of you know he's an he's an integral part here of the volley team and you know he he had no he had no say about that so it's a uh, so it's, I'm very, very glad to have Eric on. I'm going to stop rambling. I'll let you do your own personal intro. Um, Eric, thanks for coming on and and being a, a guest on the Let's Talk podcast.
1: Well, Travis, it's good to be here. It's been great to know you and the volley team over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, man, thrilled, thrilled to be here. Really excited about the conversation.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, um, just start off. Uh, you know who you are um, uh, with the, with the professional aspect taking out, uh, taken out, uh, you know, what do you do? Maybe a little bit about your family, uh, you grow up, uh, any fun, interesting stories. I really like to have the podcast be more centered around the personality of the person and not just, uh, the business side. So go ahead, the, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, man. I appreciate it. So been in the tech space for almost 25 years. I, I feel like that big number, 25, ages me a bit, but we're at 24 right now, so we're close. I've had the opportunity to work really all over the country, started my personal and professional life in the Phoenix area, moved to the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis, just north of 11 years ago. My wife and I have seven kids, and she stays at home with the kids. I go to work every day and do that thing, and uh yeah, the I would say the last five years for me, on a personal note, have been a real journey. I think I had settled into being in the tech space, going to work, coming home. I've gotten more involved on LinkedIn, which I know has really changed things for you. As yeah. I got more involved on LinkedIn, COVID hit. I started my own podcast now, roughly three and a half years ago, roughly 150 episodes in, wrote a book and it the last couple years man have been a great journey and it's it is really and we would have this conversation well outside of recording but it's on the backs of uh a small body of people that have supported me supported my endeavors supported my crazy ideas and it's it's really man it's guys like you it's guys like josh that have been there when i had these harebrained ideas that have said things like, all right, man, well, you said, you're going to write a book. What's it about? When are you going to start? When are you going to publish and it? And the support of guys like you over the last number of years has, has really meant the world. I love that.
0: I love that. You know, it's a, uh, I, I think you're definitely someone that a lot of the industry looks up to, you know, it's you're definitely one of the, I, I, lack of a better term figureheads of of our industry. Um, but yeah, talking yeah, the channel, you know, this, this technology industry. Um, I think the, the first so the first time I met Eric was at Channel Partners in uh, 2021. And um, I, he's, he's just one of those people that, you know, I, I feel like you have something to talk about with every single, with every single person that you, uh, uh, that you meet. So, you know, I remember the first time I talked to him, I wasn't, I was just expecting, a, you know, a high and bye, but I think I sat there and I talked with him probably about five to ten minutes so it's uh, the, the the personality that you bring um is definitely apparent in everything you do um you you mentioned uh, a lot of what you're doing and so you know, you did mention you wrote a book um and i i i think that that is something definitely to be proud of i i i always had those lofty dreams to do it myself but it just uh, for me it's patience so you know, maybe talk a little bit about what that process was like uh you know maybe Kind of what, what, where did that first spark from, and then kind of give that journey a little bit? Because I think that's an interesting thing. I think it's uh, it's really uh, it's cool. Uh, it's cool to say that you wrote a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it's been a heck of a journey. So if you knew me four years ago, I wasn't a reader. I wasn't doing the podcast. I was learning about the tech industry because that's that's where I grew up. Literally, personally, mom was in the business. I got into the business professionally. It's what took care of the family. And I just, beyond going to work, I wanted to come home and be a dad. And I was on an airplane as I write in the book, I was on an airplane now about three years ago. And I had I had felt compelled to write a book. I had had the podcast, which is all about leadership and culture. So I felt like, all right, God, if you want me to write a book, and right now the whole thing for me is leadership and culture, It's gonna be a leadership and culture book. Now, mind you, the me of today, I read about a book a week in preparation for podcasts. I've been on this personal personal journey of growth and maturation. And when I was sitting on that plane two and a half, three years ago, I was watching a television show that my son had gotten me into, just trying to keep up with my oldest son. And there's a football player and a football coach at the end of a football game. And the player, Spencer, was sort of lamenting on the field of this being the first game since his father passed away. I'm not emotionally drawn into TV shows. I'm not the guy that's going to cry at a movie. And then coach walks up and says, Spence, how you doing, man? I'm all right, coach. It's the first game without my dad. I wish he were here. And Coach leans in, puts his arm around Spencer, and says, it's a year of first for you, man. That that year of firsts is the hardest. And when I tell you that I was crying on an airplane, I was flying back from (laughs) Dallas, coming back to Minneapolis, and I just, I started sobbing. I, like, tears, snot, all of the things because that statement, that year of firsts is something that I had been through. We were at the time about five years in, we're now almost, golly man, almost seven years into not being in relationship with our oldest daughter, who's 23. And we had our year of firsts and it dawned on me right then and there that I needed to write a book about that journey. Now, the book over the last couple of years as I was writing it, sort of morphed into me pulling out some of the leaders and guests from my podcast to have them join the conversation, sharing the story of others, the loss of my sister-in-law to alcohol addiction, yes. uh, the loss of a, uh, a local teenager. I spoke to her family, uh, Camille committed suicide. And then again, some of the, the journey of some of the guests that I've had on the show. And really the book is, uh, is our collective journey it's a journey of worthiness. It's a journey of leadership and culture. Writing a book is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. Uh, yeah. I was grateful to get it over the finish line and really honored by the people that have chosen to read it. I've gotten a lot of support from this community and I'm super grateful for that. The, the touching piece is the Amazon reviews of the readers I've never met or the emails from people that just, Hey, someone recommended the book. And, uh, I picked it up and this is, this is the little nugget that really had a, um, an impact on me.
0: I, l- I love that. You know, it's a, what a great contribution to give back. And, and, and I think there's, I, I I like that you do also bring in other minds because, you know, everybody has something that we can learn from one another. Um, and, and, the, uh, that's, that's one thing that has always drawn me towards, uh, towards you as a, as, as a, just not only on the personal side, but in the professional spaces, like you said, LinkedIn has been really big. So when I started on LinkedIn, I wanted to follow all the people I thought were the, you know, the thought leaders and everything. And I thought out of, I thought, thought oh, saying thought a lot, but out of all the people that I, I found to be the the leaders of the industry, I, I always felt that you came at it more from a, um, really, really pitching, uh, taking care of mental health. And that's always been an issue that's been near to dear to me with my Tourette's and, you know, ha- having a daughter growing up with Tourette's, that's far worse than mine. And, you know, the, the toll of that, that can take. So it's, uh, uh I, I think that is one thing that probably draws a lot of people to you is, is you don't, um, you know, you're there for, for, for kind of just everything. And that, um, mental health is, is one of the, you know, it's, it's, it's very important. And a lot of people in our industry uh, neglect it, uh, yeah. unfortunately. So it's, uh, that kind of one thing that, 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 that really, uh, I thought is a, a staple of the, of the Eric Brooker brand. Um, now talking about the book, was there any, uh, anything during the process that may have been, you know, more of a headache than, than others? Is there, what was the, probably the worst, the worst part of the entire process?
1: So I wrote a really personal book. And so for me, the biggest challenge in the book was how to answer questions I was unprepared for. So it took me roughly two years to write the book. If, the book were not about me or in part about me, it might've gone, it probably would have gone much, much quicker, but I had to address. It was a lot of brokenness, a lot of healing, a lot of things that I uncovered, man, my parents divorced when I was five years old, that was 40 years ago and I'm writing about it. And then all of a sudden I get emotional and I have to address things, but also, you know, take Camille, for example, I felt a real call to ask her parents, to participate in this book. I felt that call about six months after Camille committed suicide. Now, I don't know her parents well. We know each other a whole lot better now through a myriad of conversations and their participation in the book. But now I gotta sit down and have a conversation. I gotta sit down and have a very difficult conversation. It's one- And one that not a lot of
0: people like to talk about.
1: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is I'm going to step back for just a second to the LinkedIn piece because yeah. the, thing that I, the thing that I learned about on LinkedIn on day one, right, wrong, or indifferent, someone said, hey, be your authentic self. And 100%. so the idea of dancing around on this business forum about the business that I own or the business that I work for and pretending that this is the single greatest thing i've ever done didn't feel authentic now i've got a great gig i love what i do i love the people that i work with but i wanted to be authentic someone said be authentic well the authentic me is a is a person that wears his heart on his sleeve i'm going to share my emotions i'm going to tell you my sister-in-law died of alcohol addiction but what i found on linkedin is that the more that I shared vulnerably, the more that I realized I was not alone. The more that I started to realize, Travis, man, you're not alone. You're not the only guy in this industry with Tourette's or suffering in their own respective right. And what it's enabled me to do is build real, authentic friendships, not sit down at 10 o'clock at night and grab a beer before we all go to bed, but like, hey, man, What's on your heart? How's your marriage? Sorry, you lost your kid. Whatever the conversation is, they're real and authentic.
0: Right. Cause you know that, I mean, that's what, that's what the human soul desires. It wants that one-on-one connection. And I, and, and that doesn't stop just because you're in a professional setting. I mean, we still, we still crave that, that personality and, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love that. Um, I think that's a good message to have. And, uh, it, and it, it just kind of that that whole that whole theme is kind of across your entire your, your everything that you do, you know, with the podcast, with your posts. Um, and I and I think that uh, it's a skill that's lacking in the industry is is people really being up to be themselves and and not just. Uh, I I always make it a point to on my LinkedIn, ninety percent of what I post is more just about me personally, and then. I, you know 10 percent is the business side it's uh I always i saw all of you guys doing this i was like you know what i i like that approach i think that's the better way because i think about myself as a customer and what i react to is i i'd rather know the person that i'm talking to um and make them make and feel feel personally like they're not just selling me a product um but they they know me enough that they think this product can can solve something for me, so I think that, uh, especially in the in the telecom industry, being able to take that that viewpoint that you hold, you know, just on the personal side, but being able to transition that over to the to the business side of things
1: too, I love that. But it goes back to that adage of people buy from people they like and trust. Yeah, you know, I shared about my sister in law in October of twenty twenty when it happened, and I've been to countless shows in this industry since then, and if there's an event that I have been to since October 27th of 2020, at minimum, one person at every event has walked up to me in confidence and said, hey, my husband has a drinking problem and I, I didn't, I've never shared this with anybody or I have a drinking problem and I'm trying yeah. to get help. Do you know where I should start? vulnerability and i talk about this a lot vulnerability begets vulnerability when we go on social media linkedin instagram facebook tiktok whatever Mm -hmm. it is the highlight reel i had a good friend of mine we took a two-week trip to disneyland Legoland, universal he called me afterward how was the trip we had a good conversation something was wrong i said man what's going on he goes well I'm never gonna be able to take that trip. And he was he was raw with me. He's like, I'm a, I'm a little jealous that you're in the financial position to do that. Because over the course of two weeks, we posted all the fun stuff on on the highlight reel that is social media. What I didn't mm-hmm. tell him, or what I ended up telling him, but what I didn't share on social was we packed our lunch most days, we took cases of water, we saved for the trip for five years, What I don't share on social, what you, the listener, don't share on social is the sacrifices or the credit card debt that you make to do the things that we do. Yeah. And so we're comparing ourselves to a version of Travis or a version of Eric or Jessica or John or Joe that doesn't actually exist in real life.
0: Yeah, I, I I I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I think that, that um it, that that's what makes the it it, it makes what that's what make brands not you know not just your brand but any brands that you feel like um you know the person first makes them so successful. Um Bingo. and it's not not for success success's sake, but it's just so um you never know who who's who's going to get affected by what you by what you do or say. Um, like you said, you know, you always have you have someone come up to you because they heard you talk about, um, you know, topic A, which, you know, is taboo or topic B, which is taboo. But because someone in the public space like you talked about it is specifically with the with the suicide, um, it it just allows more avenues of being able to meet people and connect with people yeah. on a, on a, on a personal level um I, I actually that's how i met one of our mutual friends uh, uh jared parker um i had i am very active talk about my tourette's and 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 everything so it's i've always been public about that and so he, he reached out to me in a private message on linkedin about about tourette's so it's uh you you never know what you're going to say it is going to affect some one person over, over another. So it's, to me, it's just, I want to connect with as many people as possible because e- even though sometimes I'm grumpy, I do just love people. Um, and I like to learn about people's stories, hear where they're from, um, what makes them who they are. So I, 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 I like that. And um, more person, more personalities in, in the space could could, could take a cue from that.
1: The other thing that it does Travis is it enables us to find a common ground. so the conversation over the next six months is going to be Trump and Biden. The conversation over the yes. next six months is going to be religion or politics or some of these hot topics that inevitably you're not aligned with likely mm-hmm. on all of account on all of those accounts with the person on the other end of the zoom or the person at the other end of the bar but what it enables you to do is build and establish a relationship authentically with people that you don't necessarily agree with because you found a common ground on something that most people are unwilling to talk about.
0: Mm -hmm. Just more ways for us to connect and work together than than being against each other. So no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, now on to you know talk about more on the on the business side. Uh, you've been in the channel for for a while now, and um, more. Let's just talk specifically about the the channel specifically. Um, yeah. N- not not maybe any company in particular, but what has that journey kind of looked like for you? Uh, what have you kind of learned over the years, man? Maybe where you think the the market's going or the channel's going. Uh, There's been a lot of shifts in our industry lately, a lot of people buying other people. So uh, yeah, just kind of, from your view, how's it it been over the the course of your your tenure?
1: It's been a lot of change. When I I started in the channel, I'm gonna name names because I can, and and it's a, a very positive conversation. When I started in the channel, my first channel relationship was with Tolaris. Mm-hmm. We signed an agreement that moved along very quickly. I would say 30 to 60 days. Mm-hmm. I'd gotten to know Paula McKinnon, who at the time was at Teleris in charge of supplier management, an incredible person. She helped us get over the finish line. And then she called and said, hey, there's this event in St. Louis Next week, we have an open slot. You should be there. Needless to say, I showed up at the event. Tolaris, along with, for that matter, all of the TSDs at that time, rolled out the red carpet for suppliers. They introduced me to the supplier community. They introduced me to the partner community. And those days, Tolaris, Intellisys, Avant, and some of the names, Telegration, that don't exist anymore. Yeah. It was very much just get to know people, just build relationships. People buy from people they like. They'll introduce you to the partners. And I would, golly, man, I would go to these events. And I learned that I would get a dinner with the executive team at any of the TSDs if I just showed up the night before the event. Because they they were all there. So I oh, was yeah. starting to put dinners together with the Ricks at Intellisys and the guys at Teleris and the folks at Avant and everybody else. But man, over the last 10 years, a lot's changed, right? The, the folks at the top, they don't really move the needle for a channel manager. Even in many respects, the channel managers in the market mm-hmm. at the TSDs don't move the needle. I used to be able to pick up the phone and I'd call Christina Curtis at talaris or i'd pick up the phone and i'd call someone at Intellisys and say hey i know there's a partner in your market this is the partner i'd like to meet them i'm gonna fly in town let's do the dog and pony show yeah because it was kind of as an old boss used to describe it it's kind of like a bunch of pirates running around doing things and they all got done we all made good money and there were there were unwritten rules but there were no yeah hard and fast rules there was a code and then IntelliSys was acquired by scansource and charles bank came in and invested in bridgepoint and columbia capital came in and made some investments in blue wave that came out of nowhere and talaris and then avant took private equity money and all of the sudden everything looked different the partner community looked different because sub-agents We're now coming instead of a lot of us who used to show up in shorts and a polo are now in slacks and a jacket because my my business might get sold. I might have the opportunity to get pick your multiplier X for my business and sell to one of these private equity investors Mm -hmm. or the TSD community needed to look different because private equity forced maturation upon them. The one thing that we've seen and cameron olson and i've been working on this for now uh six or eight months is building a program to give suppliers the tools to be successful because okay. many channel chiefs many vps many channel managers myself included are retreads nobody's taught us how to do it we've just done it the same yeah. way for x amount of years So I think programmatically, we're trying to build a process. We are building a process that will give channel managers, VPs, channel chiefs, marketing firms, the ability to standardize on process. Because again, as suppliers, we need to do it different. We need to add value to the channel managers and to the TSDs that we've never had to do. We need to bring them partners because that's the way they function. We need to bring them leads. We need to have an elevator pitch that is more than just Travis. I'm a Ucas provider. We need to look and feel more mature. Yeah. The industry's changed dramatically over the number of years I've been in this.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, we we're we're brand new. I mean, we we came in with Volley in 2021 was Channel Partners was the first time, so it's. Uh, it, it's been a very, it's been, it's been a culture shock for us just to say the least. But, um, I, and I agree with you and, and I think it's actually ramped up probably the most over the past year or so of private capital coming in and kind yeah. of the, just, I don't know, the whole vibe, um, from when we first came in to, to now it's, you can feel that it's different. Yep. Um, it, and it's, and it's. To me as a supplier you know, i'm I'm in the position i'm just kind of just watching it all unfold you know not being able to you know really have uh, any rhyme or reason to what's going on, but seeing a lot of these organizations buy a lot of these a lot of each other and and so it's a uh, um I was talking to oh, who was i talking to? Well, I was talking to somebody the other day and they just said it's uh it's starting to turn back into the wild wild west in in some in some manners but just because it's uh Chaotic, maybe just more chaos lately. Yeah,
1: Um, the industry looks different. I will say the one thing that I find rewarding about all the changes is when I started in this industry, there was no big 800-pound gorilla validating what we were doing. I was bringing home a paycheck, and I was able to care for my family. Yeah. But nobody gave their sort of housekeeping or good housekeeping seal of approval and I feel like with Charles and Columbia and all these other private equity firms, Pamlico, they're saying this industry it's here to stay and we want in. We want a part of the millions yeah. and billions of dollars that are being transacted annually because they see value in this space.
0: Oh, yeah, there's, and I've always been of the thought that there's, it's a very, very big ocean. There's a lot of, there's a lot of endpoints in this industry. There's a lot of money to be, to be had. Um, and so if anything, that just kind of gives, gives anybody that was wondering if this industry was going to keep continue doing well, uh, a little bit of a bullish indication um, that oh, there's, there's, there's definitely people coming into this, to this industry and, and, and making, making their mark, especially over the past year, there were quite a few, I mean, just nice acquiring LiveVox. That's a, you know, I can think of that one right off the top of my head, just because I, I've, I've dealt with the LiveVox people for, for a while now. So it's, uh, you know, things, things are different. Um, we, we've even seen just in my short time being in the channel, a couple of TSDs get bought and just, yeah know, gone. So it's uh when, when we came in, there were like eight of them. And now there's, you know, five to, to six, six, really.
1: I will say, I firmly believe that all of this is good for the industry. I think it's good mm-hmm. for the agent. I think it's good. For A the competition supplier.
0: breeds innovation and growth. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate that, Eric. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, if, if anybody is watching and listening and they're not following Eric, make sure you do it. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a great, not just, yeah, uh, you know, people use the you know thought leader, but he's just a good person. Um, and I think that that is why his message resonates with so many people. It's why it resonates with me personally. I'm a, it, I, I'm friendly to everyone, but for people to really affect me on more of a personal level that I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty picky. Um, and Eric definitely is someone that fits that. And so Eric, I uh, appreciate you being you. Uh, I, I do like to close out each uh, podcast with just a a quick, what are you doing? Um, you know, when you're not doing, I mean, you travel, you're traveling all the time. So when you're not, Running around or taking uh, care of one of your many many children, uh, what what's something that you do? Um, just kind of you know cut away from it all. But what's what's a or a, a hobby that kind of just gets you in the zone and recharges you?
1: That's a great question, man. You stumped me on that one. I I will say you talk about me traveling a lot, and for those that have been in the industry for a long time and are, are, are kind of an elder in the space, like myself, or anyone that's new to the business. The one thing that I've been challenged by over the years that I've really decided in the last three months is going to change is my priorities. Travis, listen, man, I love you like a brother. There's a lot of people in this industry that I care for so, so much. But if given the opportunity to go to an Ohio State football game with Travis or take a trip with one of my kids or even just play ball in the front yard with my one of my boys or one of my girls for that matter. I'm gonna choose hanging with my kids. I'm gonna choose sliding into bed with my wife at night versus sitting at a Marriott somewhere. Oh, hey so man. I think for me, one of the big eye openers is none of us are guaranteed anything. Tomorrow may not happen, and you know I've read this countless times. I believe this for even the companies. Listen, I've I've held the position as podcast host for three and a half years. I've talked to folks from the CEO of Chipotle to the founder of Reebok, the founder of Anytime Fitness. I've had 150 conversations with really intelligent people on these topics, culture and leadership, and I firmly believe the sentiment to be true that Travis, if you die tomorrow, they will have your replacement in that chair before your obituary is printed. It's a horrible thing to say, sorry, but business is business and they will move on without you. Yeah. I mean Your your family on the other hand, you are irreplaceable. And so for me, when when I've got downtime, when I'm not working, when I'm not traveling. For me, that thing that gives me life is spending time with my family. And I've decided to reprioritize, you know, there's this great trip later this month that I would love to take to the Pacific Northwest. And I would love to see the people. But the business portion of what could be done in Portland can be done via zoom. I'm yeah. gonna miss the fun. But I'm choosing to miss the fun to watch my kids, to spend quality time with my wife and to be present in the moment. So listen, I suck at it today. Travis, Josh, anybody watching or listening, seriously, hold me accountable to that because I think we've all learned with some, some recent passings in our industry yeah, that tomorrow's just not guaranteed. Absolutely.
0: That's uh why it never pays to, to be mean. It's just, you know, if you're, you smile and, and you're, you're friendly to everybody, you, I promise you, you will live a, a more fulfilled life.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Well, thanks for joining me today, Eric. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Eric is a great, great person, great friend. Um, and it's just, uh, it's nice to have him on here. And, so more people can hear about the, uh, the, the, the man that, that, unfortunately, has stuck with me.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much
0: for uh, having me on the love show. Love you, man. Thank you.
1: You too, brother.